Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Brianne Showman, and I am joined today by Spartan Elite, Aaron Newell. Aaron and I had a really fun conversation, mostly regarding his injury history, the multiple surgeries he's had during that time, and where he is at today with his racing. If any of you, which I'm sure most of you have, have had any injuries in your history, I'm sure you can relate in some way to Aaron's story. Whether you are an athlete, a clinician, or a coach, I think you'll find Aaron's story highly valuable. So let's tune in. Aaron, thank you for joining me today. How are you? Good. Just hanging out in Colorado. There you go. Nothing wrong with that. Just started snowing, I guess. Did it really? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It was literally like sunny and like 80 degrees yesterday. Oh, dang. I was going to say it's 80 something degrees today here. So (laughs) where are you? I'm Phoenix area. Oh, okay. We will not be getting snow. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I really want to dive into, you have quite a history when it comes to your just general sports history, but also your injury history. I really wanted to dive into all of that. And just because you're such a, um, dominant racer and you've had all these injuries i just want to dive into that story and how you got to be who you are today so um just give us a little background first on who you are where you came from sports wise and um kind of how that journey's gone yeah so now i guess i'm probably called an obstacle course racer um (laughs) but usually i just think of myself as like a trail runner and a rock climber and a skier and like to bike and do other stuff. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, I started running and Nordic skiing when I was in like sixth grade or something. And then I started rock climbing when I was in like eighth grade. Um, Was like, um, was pretty, was like, okay, running, got to like states in New York, which is pretty good. Um, That's like the best state for like cross country and track. Um, I won states for Nordic skiing as well. Um, and was like top five in the U S for rock climbing. Um, and then (laughs) after high school, I moved to Gunnison, Colorado to go to school and got mono and Giardia at the same time and proceeded to break loads of things in my body, (laughs) (laughs) um, just repeatedly (laughs) and then got a bunch of surgeries and now I'm here. (laughs) Do you want specifics on any of those? I was going to say, that is very much the truth right there. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, Give us some, kind of run through the different injuries you've had in that surgery journey, because I know there's been a lot, and for, um, and we'll dive into how they were caused, because that's a pretty interesting story there, but um, just go into the injuries themselves and all the surgeries. Yeah, so first... So actually on my way out to Colorado to go to college, I was 18, I'm 27 now. And uh, I fell off a cliff climbing, uh, fell like 30 feet to the ground and uh, sprained my ankle. I think I broke some stuff in it as well, but (laughs) West Virginia doctors aren't always (laughs) the best. Um, But yeah, so I kind of like limped around a little bit and ran a little bit um, and then did like a 50 miler um, did a Nordic ski marathon is what they call it, even though it's 50 K and then, uh, went back to school the next year. 
and tore my hip and then I started running funny and then broke the foot on that side. So that's both on my left side. And then a full year later of like doctors telling me like, oh, like, yeah, stuff is wrong, blah, blah, blah. Like finally got surgery on my hip all the while my foot was still broken. And so crutched around and broke the other foot. And then uh, both ankles were broken. So it's my navicular, which is this, like tiny bone um, that kind of just like takes the load of running. Um, and so but both ankles were broken. And then a year after that, a uh, surgeon went in and scraped it out instead of screwing it back together, which is what he should have done. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, so crutching a bunch, the other foot's still broken. Both of them are still broken because they didn't put screws in. Um, and then I'm trying to think. Then same doctor a year after the other ankle surgery puts screws in the other ankle, but he messes it up. <laughs> and so six months later, I have to get those screws taken out. And then I was like, okay, I should probably see somebody who like really knows what they're talking about. So I finagled my way into uh, the doctor for the giants um he's like the head uh ankle doctor for like their linebackers and he does uh the new york ballet and a couple others um but so so he's like really good at his job and he like didn't want to take me because another doctor had gone in and messed it up and he didn't want to be responsible for that so i had to like pretend to not be me and then show up and <laughs> and then uh ask him to do a bunch of like reconstructive surgery basically in my ankle. Um, <laughs> and then had that surgery. And then that was like four years ago now, probably the timeline gets kind of like messed up in my head cause it's spread out for so long, but all, all the while, while he's doing that, my other ankle's still broken. <laughs> the original one. <laughs> and so <laughs> Then, uh, I started doing, Spartan races and obstacle course races and figured out that I was okay at them and could like possibly make a career out of it and was like kind of training, but not really um, because you can like still train on a broken navicular, but you can't really do speed work on it. And so uh, did a couple of races, was good at it and then decided to like maybe get it fixed. And so I went to the head doctor for, Nike basically um he he's the best navicular surgeon in the world in the world uh, it's a mall saxena and he's super great at his job showed up um like kind of got in just because i knew the right people and like have like i knew like laura fleshman or lauren fleshman and uh jesse thomas and they both had broken naviculars and got them fixed there and so he like saw me the day I needed to be seen on my way to a race. And then uh, he like took x-rays, took an MRI, and then was like, oh yeah, I scheduled you for surgery tomorrow morning. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, oh shit. And so, yeah, then I got surgery the next morning. And at the time I was living in a van. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it sucked, but he did a great job. So it was worth it. Awesome. And the yeah, and a whole other story. Out of insurance as well. So it was kind of like a ticking time bomb. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 
Um, just because I know, I know the impact of, or kind of the successes of hip surgeries themselves. I want you to talk a little bit about the hip surgery and if it was beneficial for you and kind of what the outcomes were after that. Yeah. So my hip surgery was kind of weird. It kind of ended up being like a private case study of like whether or not it's worth getting surgery for a femoral acetabular impingement because I had it on both sides pretty equally. Um, but both hips hurt like almost identically. And uh, yeah, so when I got surgery on one side, the surgeon was like, uh, I don't know, maybe you should get it, maybe you shouldn't. And I was like, well, which gives me better odds. <laughs> and he's like, well, probably getting surgery. And he's like a, a pretty darn good hip surgeon. Um, and uh, so I did it because my brother had three hip surgeries at that point, um, and he also ran a lot, um, and he got two of them with this guy, and so I trusted him and got the hip surgery, had pretty standard uh, recovery, which is like eight months to uh, a year and a half, basically. It was basically two years until it felt normal. Um, yeah, but now it's like eight years later and they feel pretty similar because I didn't, I didn't end up getting surgery on my other hip. Um, so I, I've done a bunch of strength training since then. And I think the one I didn't get surgery on is probably better off <laughs> just because <laughs> when you do surgery, like they go in and they like mess around with stuff. They have to cut through certain things and, things that aren't meant to be cut in half and <laughs> like scrape stuff out, stitch it back together, shave down your femur head. Uh, yeah. A, a lot of things that the human body's not really supposed to do. Absolutely. And that's the biggest thing I wanted you to point out is that there is a lot of things going on during those surgeries that is not ideal for the body and it's not always the best, you know, you've noticed that just by strengthening the other hip, you've had just the same outcomes. And so we don't always need surgery, even though sometimes we think it's going to be a quicker fix or a, a better fix. Yeah. I, I think for the most part, if you just sat somebody down for four months and didn't let them walk, uh, like if they had a really bad <laughs> hip impingement, they'd probably be better at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's so hard to know though. Oh, absolutely. Strengthening wise, what are you doing to maintain it now or what were you doing? Um, I mean more recently, like in the past year, two years, like a lot of just like deadlift squats, split squats, Bulgarian split squats. Uh now we do a little more agility stuff now that I can actually handle it. But um yeah. I don't know, stuff that involves your hips. <laughs> <laughs> like a lot of glute activation yeah. exercises. Awesome. I mean that that that's that's what I think is kind of funny about PTs, and I think you're a PT. Uh, the answer is always that your glutes aren't strong enough, and that you're not <laughs> it's not that they aren't strong enough. It's that we're <laughs> compensating using other muscles instead yeah. of using our glutes to do things. <laughs> that is one thing that bothers me is that people are always like, my glutes aren't fire, like. Like someone's saying like their glutes aren't strong enough or they aren't active. It's like, it's not that they aren't there or strong enough. Uh -huh. It's yeah. that we aren't utilizing them. Yeah. <laughs> with the agility work or with the, just the dynamic 
um, the necessity to be dynamic when running on the trails. How are your ankles holding up with all of that now? Um, they're okay. I mean, they still bug me every now and again. The navicular is kind of a pretty fickle bone. It gets like some of the worst blood flow of any bone in the body. Um, so I, I'm, not, I'm not even sure if they're fully healed. I mean, you look at it on an x-ray and it looks fine, but you take an MRI and there's still a, a good degree of like grayness where it should, shouldn't be. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, so I don't, it's held together with screws. So I'm not that worried about it. It's just that it keeps banging against, I think my tibia. Um, and so at some point I could rattle the screws loose or just snap them in half. Uh, which isn't <laughs> really <laughs> that possible. Um, but yeah, they, they take a beating just because when they cut, w w to get into the right spot to screw your navicular back together, um, they have to cut through this like bundle of like muscle and tendons, like on, on the top of your foot, like top outside of your foot. And it's just not there anymore on my feet. And it used to be like really pronounced and strong and now it just doesn't exist. And so I think it, it kind of lets my ankles fall to the outside every now and again. Okay. Um, Cause I used to have like bomb proof ankles. Like I never sprained them or never rolled them. Um, and now they're a little bit weaker <laughs> and less useful, but <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> They, they, I mean, they take a beating. That's like stuff just doesn't move as well as it did before six leg surgeries. So yeah, absolutely. And like a, a lot of the recovery actually was like, I think I had like six months in a wheelchair and two and a half years in, on crutches. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, it was a lot of, a lot of time on one leg, which kind of messes stuff up. Now, was that between the two different legs or was that all on one? Um, it was, well, so for the, I mean, I probably spent a pretty close to equal amount of time on crutches on each foot. It's just that it was like so much time in a row on one foot and then so much time in a row on the other um, that it, I don't know, I, I assume that like my pelvis is like super rotated and kind of messed up probably true um yeah but I mean I've tried to fix that as much as I can but yeah absolutely so your first the first original fracture not the fall one but you actually fractured it because you were on crutches for a while right um no I actually fractured it so I I tore my hip and then I started running goofy because of it um I was like trying to chop my stride basically and then broke my navicular on the side on, okay. on my left hand side, which hurt like a tiny bit more, even though they felt pretty much the same. Um, so I, 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 I found out that I broke it like three days or like two days before my hip surgery. <laughs> and I was like trying to convince the doctor to throw screws in it. I was like, <laughs> like can I get back together while you're in there? Like just put me under for like an extra like hour and just screw my ankle back together. And he's like, Oh, I can't do that. And blah, blah, blah. And like, we need approval. And I'm not a foot surgeon. And I, was like, I don't care. It's not that hard. <laughs> but, That's awesome. Yeah. 
it's really hard to convince doctors to uh, throw screws into your ankle because they're always like, oh, it'll heal. Just take time off, blah, blah, blah. But like navicular fractures, uh, 40% success rate without surgery or something like that. Like, and that's if you go full non-weight bearing for like eight to 12 weeks, <laughs> which nobody does. <laughs> right. Like if you put somebody in a boot, they're going to walk on it. So you have to basically put them in a cast, which nobody's going to do. Yeah. And like you said, it is such a limited blood supply to that area. So it does take a long time to heal. Yeah. Any, any limitations now with all of that stuff in your history, any limitations now when it comes to racing? Um, well, like I basically don't, yeah, I don't road race at all just cause that hurts. Um, that, that more hurts my hip than anything. And I'm just not good at it. So there's no real reason for me to do it. <laughs> um, but no, not, not really. I mean, I can do a like three mile obstacle course race or a one mile or a hundred meter obstacle course race. And it's, or I can do a 24 hour race on the side of a ski hill. And that's all the same to me. <laughs> do you still do much Nordic skiing racing or are you just primarily OCR now? Oh, I don't. Cause that's another fun injury. Uh <laughs> So like after my first like hip surgery and ankle surgery, I was like, well, I'll just pick up Nordic skiing again and just become a pro Nordic skier. Not that I was like good enough to like be like, oh yeah, I'll just be a pro Nordic skier next season. Like I was like, okay, maybe five, 10 years from now, I'll be like good enough to like win prize money or something. And uh, so I started doing a bunch of Nordic skiing and then blew out both ulnar nerves simultaneously or nearly simultaneously. Um, I just tripped on a crack roller skiing, like ski, uh, roller skiing on pavement, um, and caught it with both arms and just went pop, pop. <laughs> and then my ulnar nerves were no longer in there. So it kind of feels like I'm just hitting my funny bone every time I Nordic ski. Fun. Yeah. So at some point, if I want to ski again, which I do, uh, I have to get surgery to move my ulnar nerve uh, like a couple centimeters. <laughs> Does that cause any weakness or anything in the hands or like with rock yeah. climbing or CR? Yeah so it's kind of a, the reason why I haven't done it is because if they mess it up which there's like a pretty I mean not that big a chance but like when I first started looking at it like six years ago it was like a 40% chance that they could mess something up and uh, you you start losing feeling in your ring finger and pinky and I have to get both elbows done. So <laughs> um, <laughs> it's still 40%, but it's 40% twice. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I don't want to mess it up and not be able to climb and not ski. That would suck. Yeah, absolutely. Does it ever like different positions when you're climbing or on obstacles does that bother you at all or is it ever no, it's weird it it doesn't bother me in like climbing or anything it only bothers me in nordic skiing and swimming um it's just like this weird motion if you're going from like close to your chest and then pressing down like if i did some like dips or push-ups then it would hurt um and then if I did a lot of them, it would hurt a lot. And then it would hurt for days. And if I Nordic ski, which occasionally I just do, and then it hurts for weeks. Because um, <laughs> it's literally just your your nerve, the sheath of your nerve, basically. I think it's the sheath of your nerve. Uh, just grinding over the, like, little 
ridge thing that holds your ulnar nerve in place. And so it's just snapping back and forth across it. And so, <laughs> yeah, it, it hurts. I, I actually tried to get surgery on it when it happened and they wouldn't operate on me because I was like 20 or 19. And they were like, we won't operate on somebody who has a perfectly functioning ulnar nerve and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, if you leave it, then I'm going to mess it up. <laughs> so, I don't know. <laughs> so I'll see you in 10 years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're like, well, we'll wait until you screw it up. And I'm like, That's, this is stupid. <laughs> Do, so if that motion gets you, um, does like getting over the walls bother you at all? Because you have to push out of that a little bit? No, just because they're, I, I mean, okay. in, at the 24-hour race I did in Sweden, it definitely started bugging me, but like, everything else started failing before that did like my biceps were so shot that like it didn't really matter that my triceps weren't like happy it was just that my biceps were so destroyed <laughs> um but no that 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 like doing it like once or even like i don't know like 20 times over a race that doesn't bother me it's just doing it repetitively like every two seconds hurts a lot that's why swimming and skiing hurt so bad okay that makes sense it's like constantly just having somebody flick you in the ulnar nerve. <laughs> Fun. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite race distance? Uh, I don't know. I really like the 24 hour one. That one was fun. Um, it, well, tw 24 hours in snow seemed like a ton of fun and that's like perfect distance. Um, that's just better for Ryan Atkins apparently though. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if you're going to throw his name out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that man's a machine, but especially when it gets cold and it's an obstacle course race that goes for 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> no stopping him. Where was that one at? Uh, that was in Sweden on a ski hill. Uh, every loop was 2,000 feet of climbing. So uh, was, for me, it ended up being 30,000 feet of climbing and like, I don't know, 600 obstacles or something, 800, I don't know. I didn't fail a single one of them, though. <laughs> Dang, nice. I can see why your body started failing you later, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it got to the point where I was, like, I would have to, like, pick up the bucket to, like, carry this bucket thing, and I'd, like, quickly throw it onto my back and then, like, have to put my arms down because my biceps would cramp. <laughs> and so I'd, like, balance it on my neck. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right. Well, kind of start closing it up. Um just thinking like with everything you've been through injury wise, just going to go the mindset direction a little bit. Like what advice just with that, like being out for a period of time, being on crutches, just being able, unable to do things for a period of time. What advice can you give people on just like helping get through those periods when we just can't do things because of an injury? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think people kind of go crazy with cross training and like, I've definitely done that and I've done the opposite where I just don't do anything. Um, <laughs> I just like, don't think about it. <laughs> Turn your brain off and get through it. Like, I don't know when I first, like during my hip surgery, my brother just like the day afterwards, he was like, here's a bottle of Jim Beam. <laughs> Fun. <laughs> I mean, that's obviously not the healthiest way to do it, but especially if you're an alcoholic, but, <laughs> um, I don't know, just figure out what gets you through it. I don't think there's that, like, uh, you can pick up bad habits as long as you're capable of getting rid of them. <laughs> like, I, I know that I can, like, sit there and veg out for, like, two months and just, like, 
do nothing productive, just like read like a bunch of fantasy books and watch TV and just generally do nothing for like two months. And then like, once that time is up, I can just like go crazy with training. So <laughs> I think it's different each person. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely like right. the, the less uh, anal about it, you can be the better probably. <laughs> That's good advice right there. <laughs> <laughs> Which is probably the same thing for this whole quarantine thing. Like the less, the less you care, the probably better you're going to come out of it. <laughs> like I've got a feeling there's going to be a bunch of people with like huge overuse injuries at the end of this whole thing. <laughs> I think so. And I could be one of them because I'm definitely training more since I have a little bit more freedom yeah. in my schedule. <laughs> like nothing has really changed with me because like I didn't have a job before this and I don't have a job now. And <laughs> <laughs> I just keep doing the same thing I was doing before. Right. <laughs> just don't have any races. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It'll be interesting to see once race season comes back because all you elites are sharpening up your skills right now I'm sure and yeah I mean I'm getting better so it'll be interesting to see once races do come around yeah I mean like I've since started doing Spartan races like I basically just race as much as I can like I raced like 40 times last year probably and like some of those were ultras and 24-hour race and some other stuff and like so I haven't had like a good set of time to train (laughs) And I was like so wrecked after Sweden that I didn't train for like two months. So it was great for me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's like bad for everyone else who was like super fit. Because <laughs> now they've got all this fitness and nothing to do with it. So <laughs> it's good though. Like you're, there's such a short off season that I think this is actually really good to help people just be able yeah. to train and get over injuries. And yeah, it's kind of funny. The same people who were, uh, complaining that the race season was too long are now complaining that there's no races which <laughs> <laughs> is like come on now you've got like this perfect amount of time like you can just not train train do whatever you want and then yeah. like race like you'll have a huge heads up when races are going to start so very true it's actually like a normal sports season length like a six month period of time now <laughs> yeah it'd be great i'm stoked <laughs> awesome well aaron if anyone wants to follow your journey where can they find you uh, just at Instagram, Aaron Newell 93. Pretty easy. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you talking with me. Yeah, no problem. And that concludes this week's episode of Highly Functional. If you enjoyed it and found the information helpful, I invite you to head over to Facebook and join my group, Obstacle Course Racing Athlete Health and Performance where you can both join your OCR tribe as well as find very helpful, useful information on how to become a more dominant racer, a more resilient racer, and truly race at your peak performance. And until next time, let's go out and be highly functional.